Welcome back, listeners. For those that haven't heard us for a little while, this is uh, podcast number six or seven in the series, If I Only Knew, where uh, an older, relevant Gen Xer like me plunges into this new, fantastic world of the millennial to try to understand big, deep-seated topics like why they all obsessed with Tic Tac videos. They're just lollies. So today we're actually talking about something that's pretty interesting for me and something that I think is not new, but I want to get a millennial's take on it, which is this concept of consumerism. Uh, Matt, you would know this week, famous rapper, um, Little Someone, what's his name? Lil Naz. Lil Naz. Lil Naz. Obviously related to Big Naz, who I was a huge fan of in the 80s. I don't know if there's a Big Naz. Find that hard to believe, Fred. Yeah, it may not be true at all, maybe an absolute lie, but Lil Naz... Put it, Lil. It's not Little, it's Lil. Lil, L-I-L, Lil. that's right. L-I-L, that's because too many letters in a word otherwise. Uh, put out a range of sneakers that have caused lots of controversy in conjunction with a video that caused lots of controversy. The sneakers were fascinating because there were 666. They've caused a lawsuit from Nike. Apparently, there's a drop of blood in every soul. I think little Naz needs to get himself to a podiatrist. You can fix that with some uh, <laughs> some good nail trimming. But it can, it's, it's bizarre for me because they sold out in a minute. One minute. And I don't understand you kids with the sneakers and the things. Because what's wrong with Dunlop volleys, I say? That's a joke. So what I'm really keen to understand, guys, is this concept of how millennials consume, how they shop. With us today, we have two special guests, Matt. We have our very fantastic, the heart of our podcast, our researcher extraordinaire, Nicola. Say hi, Nicola. Hey, guys. Hello. Now, when we sound clever on this podcast, it's because of Nicola. That's about right. Um, That's the the heart and soul of it. And we have a marketing expert, marketing extraordinaire, Katie from our marketing team, who is the penultimate millennial shopper, in my opinion. She is the heart of high fashion in the big, thriving fashion metropolis of Brisbane, second only to Milan and Paris, they tell me. Hey, hello, Katie. How are you? Good. So... Matt, I'm fascinated to understand this idea of how consumerism might have changed. Um, I can't say that when I was a kid, brands didn't matter, but brands couldn't get to us in the same way they get to you guys. Yeah. So my first question for you and our fantastic panellists is, what do you look at when you buy stuff now? I'm excited to have Katie and Nicola on board for this as well because like I've tried in my life to avoid being too brand focused I think but it's so clear how much of an influence it has like that little Nas example is just one example of a ton of different instances where brands have power for their own sake right you buy something for the prestige or for the coolness of it or the clout that it's going to give you and that seems to be more and more important right I think that there's like a few reasons for this, but like uh, the point that I started thinking about for this is the idea that social status and prestige has always mattered to people, and there's always been a way in which you get that. But for some reason, there's been this shift in the last 20 years or so to the fact that this social status and prestige now come from buying certain things with certain brands. And I would guess maybe Katie or Nicola, if you guys want to jump in on this idea, I don't quite know why that shift has happened, but maybe it's something to do with the need, like the access that these um, brands now have to us with their marketing power to reach us through TV and technology. Yeah, definitely. I think there's like some element on accessibility. A lot of the research out there talks about, you know, how this new generation of millennials have now this sort of access to brands like internationally rather than just right. what in front of them, especially with the whole online shopping. 
being available as well rather than um, just you have to go into stores to purchase the brands and um, advertising plays a huge part of that. I guess, I don't know if you, if you two have experienced the same thing, but over lockdown, I've been online shopping way more than I normally would be. And there's a real buzz that I get whenever I receive a package and it's got like a new uh, component for my computer if I'm upgrading it or, or some new uh, basketball gear or whatever. I'm like, yes, hell yeah, they delivered it. They got it to me. I didn't have to put any effort in. Is that something you guys have also been doing? Yeah, for sure. There's definitely been since COVID, even the advertising you see on your Facebook feed, you look at one side, it pops up there for the next couple of days or weeks, you know, and then like eventually when you'll then get on the website and do the order, there's, um, you get the text messages and the reminders and all that, which sort of increases almost that connection to the brand till you eventually get it. And then you actually, you know, wear the item clothing or whatever. So, Katie, is this just really subversive marketing directed at the feeble-minded millennial? It's a new type of marketing, 100%, and I think it is celebrity. It is Lil Nas. I'm sure the sneakers are absolutely heinous, but it's also what Kanye West does with the Yeezys. I think it's a it's a new platform that even I'm, you know, considering myself lucky enough to have not grown up with, but what the younger generations are seeing are the people that they idolise or the jobs that they want to have are these influencers, are these people who use their platforms to do what? Sell products. That's essentially all it is. And a really good campaign can take place now between the seller, the vendor, the celebrity and the market. And it's not blatantly obvious that that's what it is. It's not necessarily a sales pitch in the mind of the consumer. They're just a young kid looking at Lil Nas's sneakers that are $666. They're thinking, I idolize this person. This person's cool. I want what they have. Because there is a link to a bigger picture or a marketing pitch that's happening without it really being blatantly clear that that's happening, young people are wanting. They just want, 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 want what they see online. That's my perspective anyway. Yeah, I, I really like that. I think there's this idea that we're buying it for a very specific reason, and that reason is the celebrity endorsement. Like, you know, you buy products. It seems like you're meant to buy shoes because they help you walk, right? Like, shoes are good to yeah. walk in. But in actuality, perhaps, these shoes are being bought because of their yeah. celebrity status. I, um, yeah. I was thinking a little bit about how, like, you know, we've got so much information in the world nowadays with the internet and all that sort of stuff, and yet... Yeah this advertising seems to have so much of an impact on us now. Like, it feels to me as if it should be the easiest time in the world to make the best decision for the highest quality products. But maybe that's thinking backwards about it because I'm assuming that the goal there is to have the most long-lasting shoes. But in fact, the goal for the people buying these shoes is to imitate and support and participate in Lil Nas's creation. Yeah, or trying to emulate people that they idolise. As millennials or as the younger target, we are inundated with messages to purchase and inundated with things that are sold, like you said, Matt, emulate being like these people. We can't live that Kardashian lifestyle, but, hey, we can buy the shoes that they're wearing and that makes us feel close to them. Even if there's a stupid price tag on it, I think a lot of people are willing to pay that because it is a little bit of that connection. It's a brand. So help me out here, guys, because I get confused by you kids all the time. You've got this, I mean, look, you know, I had a fat bum well before the Kardashians were popular, but no one was buying stuff that I was selling. 
Probably the biggest issue I have on a really serious note is this is the generation that's meant to be really in tune with their values. And some of the research that Nicola put out there is this idea that on one level, millennials are making purchasing decisions on the ethics of the company, the values available. On the other hand, they're a bit more intrepid than my generation in terms of buying online. So a millennial would have no problems buying an electronic device online, whereas for someone like me, I'd want to walk in or shop and look at it. Um, so you've got this juxtaposition between looking at the values and being prepared to do your research and buy online. You're influenced by celebrities that have very little values, and I don't want to make this about the Kardashians or anybody else, but I think that if I was watching anything to do with the Kardashians, I know I'd been, I was being advertised to. I don't even know what a Yeezy is, but I definitely don't know that I want to buy one. But So you've got this value set where you say, we want to know the company stand for good things, they're environmentally friendly, but the top brands that kids are buying from, and I call anybody younger than me a kid, are these brands that have got really heinous reputations. One of the top 10 brands for kids is Coca-Cola. In this country, they pull more water out of our society than any other business for free or next to free while farmers are really struggling in agriculture. Where does the value proposition come in and how does celebrity suspend values? To me, it feels like this is something of the dupe that we've been sucked into. And, and uh, like not being a marketer, this feels like the, uh, the power of marketing where it's like we're willing to hide the fact that all these bad things are happening because we get tasty soft drinks, you know, and we see an advertisement that says Coca-Cola is doing X great thing or, or Pepsi's doing Y great thing. And we say, oh, well, they can't be that bad. They're doing, they're, they're promoting themselves online by doing this. When in fact, that barely touches the surface of what actually happens. Yeah, I, th- I think this idea of value-driven buying is definitely more relevant for young people today and I think it's also more relevant as a movement where the information gets put out and so it impacts what we buy but I also think consumers by nature are pretty lazy and I think it's like easy to just go about your day and buy whatever it is you want to buy as long as you can convince yourself that it's not that bad and I suspect that's what businesses have cotton on to with their sort of seemingly tokenistic marketing campaigns about doing the right thing being environmental we're better than the other person or whatever better than the competition and for me I think if you if you can buy into that marketing then you can sort of absolve yourself of this sense of violating your values. Katie, same question for you. You're an expert in this field, a master manipulator from a marketing perspective. Explain to me, you know, do you suspend your values when you buy? Do you care if the Nikes were made in a foreign sweatshop for, you know, less than a fair rate of pay, if the chocolate chocolate that you eat is um, fair trade sourced, if the coffee that you drink is fair trade sourced? You know, talk to me about that. Do celebrities suspend that? My view on it is almost that to start the conversation, you do need to zoom out a bit. I think it's more of a comment on our society per se. The reality is to buy eco, to buy environmentally friendly, to buy consciously generally comes with a higher price tag. So young people can have this sentiment that they want to support brands that are doing the right thing, buy the alternative you know, to Coca-Cola that's made Australia but when that sale comes you have to have the budget to be able to support that lifestyle and for most of us 
that's not attainable. Even though we want to buy the eco-friendly toothpaste, it's just an additional few dollars a week. And if you're doing it on a grand scale, that you can't live to. So the only person in my life who's my age that really lives this lifestyle of thrifting, upcycling, you know, very, very kumbaya, his dad's a neurosurgeon and he has never had to pay rent in his life. So it seems to me like a little bit of a disaccord where we can market it, we can sell it, but I don't think it's the young people that do purchase it because they just don't have the lifestyle or aren't in the point to be able to. And look, that's just my opinion. So just a follow-up question to that. Would you go for the brand name celebrity endorsed product over the environmentally friendly product? For me? Yeah. No, because I'm at a point in my life now where my values align more with what's eco-conscious. But if we're talking my siblings who are 18 and 16, they would go celebrity-driven because they take cues and messaging from these people and, again, don't realize that they're being marketed to. So I would say that my age group, probably more environmental, we go younger, more based on the celebrity. Nicola, talk to me about the last thing that you bought that might have been influenced by either your values or celebrity. I think definitely it would have been some sort of clothing brand probably or um, – I'm not exactly as celebrity influenced, I would say. It's more convenience, I think, it comes down to at the end of the day for myself. Um, you know, a lot of the time, I don't think I really want to go out and buy a pair of Yeezys or anything like that, um, just for the sake of having a brand. Um, you know, but if, you know, I find that you know, I do need something, then I might more likely to be gravitated towards something that is brand-oriented compared to environmentally friendly because it's there, it's easy to access. Um, a lot of the stuff that is environmentally friendly, you have to purchase online and it takes longer to ship. So, you know, I can just go to the shops and buy something like a pair of Vans or Converse or Nike or anything like that um, and I can get it and use it instantly. Sounds to me like, one, millennials are sellouts. So you talk about the environment and saving the planet, mm. but you don't give a shit where you put your money, which I think is fantastic. It's what I've always known. You mentioned some stuff there. Nicola talked about Vans and Converse. And when I was a kid, they were celebrity endorsed, but they were celebrity endorsed through TV ads and magazine stuff. So is their brand just kind of where Yeezys will be in 20 years' time, having done all the hard work through celebrities and becoming a household name? I suppose so. I am not one for fashion, so I don't really uh, know what, what's trendy and what's not. But when I got my first pair of Converse, I was out with my girlfriend and she was like, you need to get these because you need to look more fashionable. So there's probably an advantage to something like Converse where they are actually like a good looking fashionable shoe that you can wear up or you can dress down. Whereas something like Yeezys often confuses me because it just looks like they're just a crazy shoe like they're, they're, they exist in part for the shock value of the fact that I am wearing this celebrity endorsed shoe it looks cool because it looks cool rather than like because of any value to it itself so I wonder if there's a distinction there where perhaps this, this slightly older brand in Converse had itself a foundation and then moved towards celebrity endorsement whereas something like Yeezys might have little foundation in of itself as a shoe but rides the much stronger influence of 
contemporary celebrities. You're asking a lot about how millennials see brands. I wanted to ask how you see brands, Fred, and how you grew up seeing brands. Because when I talk to my dad about brands, I usually it's usually couched in the idea of quality. Like, we'll buy from a certain brand of outdoor clothing because my dad's always heard that it's a good quality brand. Yeah. Or we'll buy certain sneakers or shoes because it's a good quality brand. And he knows that because that's the reputation of the brand cultivated. Is that your same experience growing up, do you think? And is this the way in which brands have changed? It used to be quality they were cultivating and now it's this prestige they're cultivating or is that far too simple of a buy no i think that's right on the money so the decisions i make when i purchase i make decisions on quality i make decisions where i can on australian brands i'm pretty passionate about that and that's something that i think is a really successful advertising campaign throughout my youth that's endured as I've gotten older to buy Australian. And probably, so am I influenced by celebrity? Not at all. And I'm a, am I an early adopter for new brands? No, not at all. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at the jeans that I wear, they are the same jeans I've been wearing for two decades. If you look at the shoes that I wear, they're the same shoes I've been wearing for two decades. Yeah. And so it is very much, I think as you get older, you become a little bit more crystallized. Now, I hate internet shopping because you can't haggle. Yeah. So, I would never buy a washing machine online because I'd want to know I got the best possible price by making a salesperson cry. <laughs> um, with that said, the millennials in my life have said the best possible price you got in the store is still too high compared to that same washing machine from an online retailer. Yeah. So, um, do I shop online? Yes, I do. But I shop for brands I know online i don't try new stuff and i think that's the difference but it is quality first quality australian owned and then the stuff i know and i'm comfortable with yeah that's really interesting because i de- like brands have clearly been a persistent feature of our like consumerist um, landscape for the last 50 60 70 years to give my parents talk so much about them but they feel that they've got a different role or a different a different goal at the very least now in terms of what yep. they're trying to present to their consumers. I think that's quite interesting. And, and I won't say that celebrity didn't factor in because I think when we talk about basketball stuff, Michael Jordan, when I was your age, the Jordan stuff. Yeah, that's real. And I remember being at school with a lot of alternate kids and Tony Hawk was a brand. It was a brand of game, a brand of skateboard, a brand of clothes. And I think the sports stuff was a bigger brand influence can i ask you guys a question i'll ask each of you this matt i know you play basketball do you have any michael jordan merchandise that you that you wear i don't not much at all i got a very expensive pair of uh, basketball shoes about six years ago but that was just because i needed to protect my ankles that was about it yeah. were they jordan Air, no, um, um, Hyperdunks, which was way trendy back then. But um, Hyperdunks, not like, not- made it after a basketball of mr hyper is very good <laughs> that's exactly right Katie, any celebrity products in your wardrobe right now? Celebrity? No, no. But maybe that's because I work in marketing. I It just to me is so transparent when it's happening that I just don't fall into the trap and personally not affiliated enough with anyone to really be motivated one way or the other. I can look at it and be like, hey, that's a nice pair of shoes. Look at the price tag and be like, absolutely not. When Matt was talking about the shock value of some of these celebrity products, you were nodding your head and smiling. Do you think it's more of a statement piece than it is really about good fashion? A hundred percent. People want you to look at them and know they're wearing a Yeezy. They're expensive shoes. It's like a an elite group of people. It is like the Chanel and the Gucci 
these are limited edition pieces of clothing that are just, you know, so much money, not functional like what Matt said, but you can tell straight away when someone's wearing them. So I think it's part of like this little elite crew are wanting to be recognized as something. Yeah, a way of self-advertising. So it's still aspirational. It's still about wanting to be something more than you are. Yeah. Nicola, are there any celebrity purchases in your wardrobe? Not really. I tend to go down the makeup celebrity path sometimes. Like who? So I've got a few of the Anastasia Beverly Hills, that sort of stuff. And I oh, sort of- have you seen her daughter's new palette? It's to die for. Yeah. yeah. That's a drag race reference for those that don't know I'm a drag race super fan. Anyway, keep going. So you sort of, you know, see new palettes and stuff like that come out. You're like, oh, this is maybe, you know, I have several things similar to this, but it's also the brand name. It's this slightly different thing. And I got hooked in and bought quite a few. Well, there you go. I, I have a question about this idea of, potency of image or aspiration for millennials so if i said to you do you guys know who the marlboro man is one person is co- yes, matt matt quickly googled that um <laughs> because he doesn't understand my references at all no that's the cigarette uh advertising guy and do you know do you know why the marlboro man was so appealing in his in his day matt because you wish you could have had a toned athletic body uh, I think I'm talking to you specifically there, Fred. I'm not saying in general. You wish that. See what I have to put up with in this podcast. This is why there's such a gap that we're trying to close here. Um, no, the Marlboro Man was an archetype of the American cowboy. I don't know why Matt's gone with the toned athletic body aspect of that. I'm sure it's part of it, but it's the rugged man. It's the John Wayne. It's the riding off the prairie, six-gun shooting kind of guy. And if I look at early – see, I was born in 74. Tobacco stopped being legal to be advertised on Australian television in 76. But if you looked at tobacco and alcohol advertising for most of my youth, it was all about the idea of the archetype of a manly man. We're actually now making fun of that archetype to teach people about why not to drink recreationally. But there was always this idea of some, uh, the Levi's ads were always about, you know, this fun brand. Coca-Cola was always a fun brand. Uh, it's only recently that McDonald's is going back to this concept of family restaurant. It used to be all about that. Then it became a young person's food when, you know, it was more recreational. There's always been influence in advertising. I don't think influences uh, a new thing, but I wonder if millennials are – my question is a really simple one. If it wasn't for the internet, would the Kardashians be billionaires? Because they're not that photogenic, I'm just saying, you know? Yeah, not at all. Genuine, not at all. So has this idea of consumption, the ease of consumption from your phone, those things, do you think that's changed the way that your generation consumes compared to, say, my generation that's all about – Retail chains, we know it's happening because retail chains are closing at a rapid rate of knots. But talk to me about that. Is it about new media and is that what is that what has given no celebrity celebrities, you know, the capacity to endorse and sell products that people don't need at a rapid rate of knots? 
the internet is a big deal, but I wonder what role aspiration and showing off has always had in fashion. I think of an example from history in medieval Europe where we have all these paintings of people with absurdly long sleeves. They go all the way to the end of the ground. But like this wasn't the artist's stylistic addition. Instead, people would show off their wealth by actually having longer clothes to use more fabric just to prove that they could. But now that the developed world doesn't face the same scarcity that they had back then. So I wonder whether... We no longer show this sort of status through an extra foot of linen, but rather through the brands that we buy, and maybe brands have cotton onto this to exploit it to sell more and position themselves as really, really valuable. Um, I don't know, that's just a thought about why brands are more important now. Um, but Katie, you wanted to say something more about the internet? One up, Fred, and, and I wish I could quote where I'd read it, but I'd, I've read it recently. Um, and it was an American poll that they do year on and it's one of the pieces of research where they amalgamate and share it and it's looking at what kids want to be when they grow up. And I think this was like the 5 to 12 age category and they it was this crazy comparison between what it was five years ago and it's the top five jobs across this geographical area. In the last year, number one was YouTuber. Mm. So it's... It, this conversation is so ingrained, I think, throughout society. Technology is not only changing how we consume, who we are looking for for cues on what products we should buy, but also what we're aspiring to be or do, you know. There are influencers or people whose sole job is social media. They've started successful clothing lines that have gone to New York Fashion Week They've never had a storefront because they've started the business once they've grown an audience online and 100% of the sales, the advertising, is done through Instagram and a link to the website. So I just think this is such a big piece, like the media and social media more relevantly is an incredible platform now for, for businesses and consumers alike to find products that match what they're looking for. Um for businesses to do targeted marketing. Nicola, what about you? Yeah, sort of on that same thing, I think that it's rather than sort of getting um, a job to get the money to buy a house, that sort of thing, it's rather coming back to millennials trying to form their identity and um, what they consume is more relating to their values or their morals um, or convenience to create that identity in itself. I think... Sorry, I think just before you jump in, Matt, I think we've established today that you guys would suspend all those values um, to create identity, which is, I think, really fascinating and why mm. this this social media mass manipulation, and, and marketing has always been about manipulation, that's not new. But I think the, that what I find really interesting is how quickly stuff ripples through the current generation. So everybody knows about Little Naz to the point where it comes up on Nine News and old blokes like me hear about it, you know. But it's it's all because of you guys and you're consuming the same information so quickly. And, and Matt, I'm wondering, is there a danger in that? Are you guys more easily influenced than different styles of consumers? Yeah, well, I guess I'm wondering why it is that technology and social media has accelerated this, right? And there's a few reasons for that, I think. But 
Um, they're, they're sort of obviously it acts as a medium through which we can purchase things. You know, we don't need to spend time to go to a store and that sort of stuff. So it makes buying things easier. But I also think it, there's this increased sense of missing out and lacking something and not being a part of the crew because of the way social media and technology connects us to everyone else. You know, we, we, we're quite familiar with the idea that young people feel like they want to be a part of something. They want to develop their identity with other people and they want to grow with other people. And social media sort of presents all these other people living these amazing influencer lives and says, um, you can have a part of this if you buy some of our merch. And so I think that that's where there's this sort of hole that's opened up in a lot of young people, I think, of like wanting to belong. And social media pretends that it can fill it by presenting us all these ads and all these influencers who tell us, buy this, buy that, you can live like I live. And I think that that's where a lot of this probably comes from in my mind. I think that is why we there is more of a danger of manipulation, I think, Fred, because I think there's a greater sense of um, wanting to belong and feel included um, when we buy things. And just to speak to that point as well, Matt, I think it's important to note that the people that are doing the selling are the in, like the celebrities and the idols of these younger generations. So, Older generations now may not quite understand the pull that it has when you're seeing these people that mean nothing to you trying to sell a product online. But I would say it would be as if, you know, Elvis Presley had an account and was selling a guitar that he was saying he used and then you'd have all these musos who love Elvis trying to emulate and be like their idol. That is essentially what this is in my opinion. I, I certainly think people, that Elvis example is um, a really good one, although it's a very aged example because he might have influenced my parents there, Katie. But thank you for trying to make it relevant to me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the point. It's- These kids today, I swear to God, they can't tell. They don't know. If, you, if you're not their age, they don't know how old you are. Everybody's just old. This is the problem. With, this is the reason for this podcast. I want people to know that this is what we're putting out there. I will say this, though. We're... You know, young people aren't immune to this. Um, if you look at me and you guys, this is a, an audio podcast, you can't see me, but the celebrity I most sort of relate to is Jason Momoa. And if you saw us both together, it'd be hard to pick us apart. He put out a, a just a simple thing on Instagram about the boots he was wearing. And I went down a deep, dark dive into Westco boots because they're really, really good boots. And I have a bit of a fetish for boots wearing, not, not in a private context, Matt. Sorry, um, what was that? And, uh, Matt, with Matt, Matt was always talking about filling holes. He always brings this down to a very low level. And in the immortal words of Oprah, when this is edited out, it's because I've been silenced, not because I was silent, okay? I mean, I think ultimately at the end of the day, do you think that it changes for you over time? So are millennials the current market for social media and will you age out of that and become more traditional in your consumption the next generation become those that are targeted online or you know through whatever comes next do you think you age out of this influencer based space yeah it is an age component to it because we've seen in research that what people buy is different depending on how old they are. And I think also another element is now how um, marketing is delivered to different age groups. And I think the older that you get, you find satisfaction from different areas. But when you're younger, you really derive that sense of self and purpose from, from you. And so I think you are more susceptible to and probably more likely to be targeted the younger that you are. 
because you're not seeking or getting that gratification in other areas, the areas that come for free. If I'm saying that one of the big draws of these influencer um, sold items is the fact that they seem to fill a sense of belonging in young people, then as young people age and perhaps find out who they are a bit more, then that probably has a somewhat less of a draw on them. But I also think that does rely on there being a community or an identity that they take a hold of. And Fred, you and I have spoken a little bit about some of the degradation of like cultural identities um, in the modern world a little bit. And I think that that could pose more of a challenge to people aging out, if you like, of this sort of influencer economy. So I'm going to give you guys, pose a question to you all, okay, and we can finish on this. Clearly, I have a degree of charisma that would leave Kanye Yest in the, what's his name? Kanye West. 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 Yeah. It's like West. the compass points, you know those those things? But his kid's know. called North. <laughs> yeah, that's the joke. It's meant to be funny. Oh, it's funny. Yeah. Laugh. Oh, well, You're sure meant to laugh. Be yeah. She's she's worth billions already, that kid, so she's laughing all the way at the bank. But I got more charisma than Cam whatever his name is, Cayenne, whatever. So, what product? So, to begin with, and we've got a marketing expert here. If I was to become a social media influencer now, I just haven't done it because I don't want to, but we know I can. What product would I be pushing on the kids, do you think? Where could I make my Yeezy billions? Look, I'm going to stop that before it even starts and say kids are just not your audience, Fred. I'd say that your market would be the next age group up. And it would be how do you build a successful business? Workshops, the 10 tips to building revenue, how to get the customer to say yes. And the reality is no one under the age of probably 21 is going to listen to that. So so you're saying I couldn't take my Julius Marlowe's that I've got on right now and hit the yeah, internet. Yet another door closed on me, Matt. <laughs> Not unlike life in general, you know, but that's okay. Guys, it's been delightful having uh, you both here today. Matt, what are your thoughts for the day to close out the pod? I guess I'm quite interested by the way that it feels like this sort of stuff has been around for a while. You know, marketing has always used influencers and this sort of stuff's always happened. But it seems to be so much more important at the moment and it's accelerated people make whole careers people make millions if not billions of dollars off of this sort of celebrity status now and I don't know if it's because there's just more people in the world and so money thrown around or if technology has accelerated this process but I think that's why it's so relevant for us to talk about nowadays Fred I think from my perspective the world's a smaller place Matt thanks to technology and the internet and unlike Don Draper in Mad Men with the Kodak Carousel We can get to celebrities very quickly and hear what they have to say because we all want to be someone that we're not. I would have thought the millennials were a little bit more wise to it. And I'm really heartened to hear that you're as big a sack of suckers as every other generation. So I look forward to finding a way to shake you all down. And uh, that's it for today. So thank you all, troops. That's the end of the pod. Matt, it's no surprise. I'm getting old. I mean, this podcast is all about how old I am compared to you. But the truth of the matter is, the people that matter to me most are my parents. They're in their 80s, and they're getting on a bit. I want to keep them in their own home as long as possible, and I want to make sure they're happy, 
healthy and safe. And it's for that reason that I have used our own staff at Generation Care to look after my mum and dad. Generation Care is an aged care specific health business that comes to you. Psychologists, physiotherapists, occupational therapists, speech pathologists, podiatrists, exercise physiologists and dietetics. It's important to understand that as we age, we want to keep our independence and health experts all agree the longer you can stay in your own environment, safe and secure, the better you are and the better that part of your life becomes. So if you have an aging relative, someone you care about or someone that you're caring for, call Generation Care on 1300 817 791. 1300 817 791. If it's good enough for my mum, let us look after your mum. Tell them Fred sent you. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production, with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanche, the providers of our theme song, with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is this podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can, through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes, and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Bed Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.